The Electrician Podcast, powered by Schneider Electric. We're bringing you the electrical industry experts you need to hear to discuss the topics you need to know about. Hi guys, and welcome to The Electrician Podcast, powered by Schneider Electric. This is potentially a new voice for you if you've recently subscribed to this podcast, uh, because today, at the point of recording this, it's the 8th of April. Um, my name's Adam Callow, and I'm the founder and CEO of a company called Expert Trades. And I've just had the absolute pleasure of interviewing Tessa from the Electrical Industries Charity um, that went live into the Electrician Group on Facebook. Uh, and if you are an electrician listening to this podcast, please head over to Facebook and search groups and look for the Electrician Group. Uh, and you can take part in all future live streams. What this is, is a following conversation for those of you that are subscribed to the podcast, uh, introducing you to the Electrical Industries Charity. Um, so Tessa, let me just throw it straight across to yourself. Would you take a moment to introduce yourself and uh, explain your role over at the EIC? Thank you so much for having me today. Um, my name is Tessa Ogle. I'm the CEO of the Electrical Industries Charity. Been the CEO there for five years now. And prior to that, I used to work in the oil and gas industry. So for my sins, I'm uh, now in the electrical industry. So thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be in this industry. And uh, my role really is to make sure that the industry gets the type of support services from the charity that's relevant to us. I uh, love it. And just out of curiosity, I think a podcast gives us a little bit more of an opportunity to go a little bit deeper. Um, and this is sort of like a selfish question. So I think a lot of the uh, audiences are business owners and from one business owner uh, to another. What made you actually make the leap across to the EIC? Um, I was actually doing a project in Cambodia, um, working for Habitat for Humanity, building 150 houses in Cambodia. And uh, it just occurred to me at that time, why do we always wait to the end of our career to give back? Why don't we do it when we're in the peak of our career, when we've got the energy to give back, to do something for our industry and having a charity that's set up specifically to help people in an industry that I love was just too good of an opportunity to pass up. I absolutely love that. And you're making my job easy to segue into the EIC. Um, for those listeners right now that aren't aware of the EIC, could you give a, an overview uh, of what you do, how you guys are set up uh, and just the day-to-day -day operations of how you support the industry? So the Electrical Industries charity was set up in 1905 and was actually from 12 um, members of the industry. They all put £10 on the table and created a fund for the industry. And it's a fantastic story because it was before the time of having like welfare services, the NHS, anything like that. So if there was a significant accident or someone fell ill in the industry, there was no financial support for them. So the industry created this fund and it has continued to be funded for the industry. So an industry charity for industry people, which I love. Um, and really what we do now is quite different to how it was set up in 1905. Um, what we tend to focus more on is practical support, so financial assistance, mental health support, 
um, really looking at how we service the industry from you know supporting their well-being and running training sessions such as mental health training and uh, really giving practical advice on falling on hard times um there's there's a, there's a whole world of bits there that I'd love to unpack, uh, and I think one thing uh, for me is how I see the EIC. And I guess there's a, a tidbit of knowledge which I I spoke to you about on the live stream is um, when when I was introduced to yourself for the purpose of the podcast and live stream, your name rang a bell, and I'm like, I, I know this, and I was like, please tell me I haven't had a meeting with this lady, and I've completely forgotten that made me feel like a terrible human being. Um, but when I searched my my calendar for that meeting, I actually found some notes uh, from back in 2018, uh, and I'm the, I had the absolute privilege of hearing you speak um, at the Powerball, um, and I was introduced to the IC, and there was a fantastic video. Um, and I want to say the words fantastic. Fantastic is probably the wrong word. A very high impact video that was played uh, during that event that was an introduction to some of the services that the IC offer. And some of the things that I made down is uh, extremely compassionate and uh, the level of empathy you've clearly got for um, the community as a whole really stood out. Um, so I guess uh, a personal note from me, it's an absolute pleasure to be on the mics and speaking to you about this. Uh, you made an impact a couple of years ago uh, and you're clearly doing some good work. Um, there's, there's two elements of what you spoke about from a support front. There's, uh, I heard, uh, financial. Uh, and I think um, one thing that I know about the charity is uh, it's not just all about the finances uh, for the business. There's the household finances. Uh, and then you've got the, the mental health support. Uh, if we could just tackle both of those separately, that'd be fantastic. So uh, what's the financial support uh, that the charity offer. Uh, and if someone is listening to this um, and at the point of recording this, I said it's the 8th of April, um, we're not sure where we lie in terms of the pandemic, um, but uh, where, where, what sort of support do you guys offer? Yeah, so when we look at financial assistance, we look at the industry as a whole. So the industry as a whole, 22% of the industry will live week to week, paycheck to paycheck. Um, interestingly, before the um, COVID-19 outbreak and, and the financial impact of that, we ran a root cause analysis on all of our data um, to find out what the number one reason for particularly under 30s in our industry for financial distress. Um, and you probably wouldn't believe what the number one reason is in our industry, but it's actually to do with the level of takeout that people purchase. They don't know how to cook. Wow. Uh, we looked at this quite closely of, you know, how, how are we addressing this? And one of the key things that we found is a lot of people are never taught home economics as a subject at school anymore. So most people don't learn actually how to cook the basics. So when they move out of home and they get their own families, takeout is such a big part of their everyday life or prepackaged food. And often that's more expensive than making things in bulk. Um, so, you know, small piece of information that you would never have thought contributes to household debt under 30, but it absolutely does. Super interesting. I, lo I love how deep you got on it as well. It's like going really down to the root cause of what... <laughs> really interesting. Um, so we look a lot at people's overall household budgets and how best to optimise those. And we usually can find a lot of savings that they didn't know that they could make in order to kind of get them out of the deficit that they continue to operate week to week. 
Um, we also do financial assistance grants ranging from £100 to £250,000, depending on what the circumstances are. Um, at the moment with COVID-19, our main focus for probably the next three months, maybe even a little bit longer, will be on immediate needs grants, food assistance. It's the number one thing that people are reaching out for at the moment. We have a lot of people who are self-employed or running micro businesses who are really struggling um, at the moment. And, and until those government grants kick in, there's not a lot of options for them. So what our main focus is, is looking at their household debt, making sure we're writing the letters to their landlords, their banks, the electricity companies, everyone. Let's try to reduce as much as the outgoings as we possibly can and then fill that gap with an immediate needs grant to help them get across to the June deadline that we're seeing coming through. That's fantastic. I think um, a lot of the community over at Expert Trades, a lot of uh, self-employed uh, professionals, the grants are helpful, but it's this cash flow issue in between uh, that is still the uh, the chasm that they've got across. Um, I've got a bit of a privilege because we had a live stream. You mentioned a stat on the live stream. Was it something like 22% uh, of contractors within the industry are living week to week right now? Yeah. Um, and that's been before the COVID-19 outbreak, so I yep. can even worse. Um, and, and that's really where we need to focus on, making sure we're getting those people into a position where the things that they don't have to pay aren't going out so they cover themselves to that June kind of deadline. I think that was probably one of the biggest learning curves I had on that live stream we just had is um, I think from an outsider looking into what the charity does being the electrical industry charity uh, you just when you're offering support it would be largely focused or exclusively focused on the business but what I took away from that um, live stream was you actually look at it on a on a whole package uh, how can you go into that into that person's family that home life and work on the overall economics to like you say support with uh, the landlord letters the rent um, that was a, a big learning curve for me which i think is absolutely fantastic bit of support that you guys offer um, and in case people listen to this get distracted and move away i'm going to continue to plug the same email address throughout this podcast um, if someone's listening to this right now and they are in that 22 percent bracket week by week um, and really falling on hard times right now and looking for some of that financial support, what is the best way for, uh, for a contractor now to reach out to the EIC? It is definitely through the um, support email address, which is support at electricalcharity.org. Uh, that's the best way. We're kind of on our turnaround at the moment. We've, we did about 19,000 cases last year and we've had a threefold increase even in the last week. Um, so we're trying to get back to people within 24 hours of the first contact that they have with us to schedule in a time to go through everything. Each case for us will always be slightly different. It's never exactly the same. And that comes down to everyone's family situation is slightly different. So we have to have an individual approach to each person. And that's the best way to do it. We also need to know location of where people live so then we can find out also what grants are available to them through their local council and that type of stuff. So we have all of those listings to know how best to apply the best kind of options for them financially. 
Perfect. So uh, what I just heard is if someone is uh, wanting to reach out, drop your line on the email address support at electricalcharity.org. Expect to reply within 24, 48 hours. And then that's a, I guess that's a notification saying we've got it, we're working on it, and then you'll follow up from there. Absolutely. Perfect stuff. From a financial support element, uh, is there anything else you'd like to touch on from an EIC perspective before we move on to the second uh, part of the interview where we kind of uh, dig into mental health and what people can do in a, in a positive way uh, right now to get them through the current situation? Um, I guess we also will signpost to other charities from a financial perspective, particularly if you've got no money whatsoever at this point. So we will always pay for your food and to make sure that there's an immediate assistance financial grant but something where you might need more than that we will dig into all of our other charity contacts and apply for grants on your behalf as well and that's probably another element that you can kind of plug into our knowledge of the industry for that element. I love that. It sounds like if there's a contractor out there right now, even if you guys can't help, you'll point them in the right direction. So uh, reaching out is definitely um, worth anyone's time right now if they're hearing this and any of it's resonating. Um, just to move on to um, sort of the second part, the uh, level of support that you guys give, um, mental health. Um, can you guys share what you do from a mental health perspective? Uh, because I can imagine right now um, there are a lot of contractors um, who are uh, – maybe the the breadwinners or sole breadwinners um, within the family. And that's a, a huge amount of financial stress and just, sorry, generally just stress um, to sort of carry on your shoulders. How are you finding the level of inbound inquiries right now uh, from a mental health perspective? And what are you guys doing to support those people that reach out? Yeah, so we already had a very high caseload of mental health across our sector. Um, and we've done a lot of research into why this is. So we have about 1.3 million people that we service in our bigger electrical sector. So right from the big energy um, players, the RWEs, the EDFs of the world, the national grids, through to um, contractors, um, engineers, electricians, wholesalers, manufacturers. Um, so quite a diverse range. Um, the number one reason why people reach out for support for our charity is relationship breakdown. So we have the highest divorce rates of any other sector. We even compared this to defence. 69.8% um, is our divorce rate. It's quite incredible. Wow. Um, Just for context, I'm not sure if you've got the data to hand, but what's the national average? 42. Oh, Wow. 42% and it's been trending downwards, partly because people are getting married later or deciding not to get married at all. Um, but ours has been trending upwards. So the national average is trending down, whereas our industry is still trending up. Yeah. Wow. And when we looked at this, we did, again, another root cause analysis on this. And uh, number one reason for divorce or relationship breakdown is excess travel. Uh, we have a workforce that is constantly traveling project to project. It's a lot of time away from family and that has a big implication of what we do. It also has a huge implication to mental health in the sector. So last year, very much our focus was training people in mental health awareness, mental health first aiders. We trained just over 10,000 people across the UK 
in this um, and gave them very practical examples across the industry that they would be facing. And one of the key stats that I often surprises people across the sector is just how high our suicide rates are, 2.7 times higher than the national average. Uh, We've got a lot to do around this space. And one of the big things that I changed when I came into the charity was to address this specific issue. So we implemented having non-means-tested psychiatric and therapeutic support available free to the entire industry and their immediate family members because this was really important that you got the collective family group and deal with mental health issues that way instead of just an individual within the industry. So we trialled for the very first time in the UK doing psychiatric assessments, Skype-based, so every single person in the industry would have access to the same level of service no matter where they were based. I can assume that can allow you guys to be extremely reactive. If someone went... um if someone, for example, attempted to take their, their life, which talk about suicide rates, uh, how quickly would they get seen by the NHS compared to with the EIC? So in, the, in England, it's about 12 weeks post-attempted to take your life. In Northern Ireland, it's 22 weeks, about 16 weeks in Wales and about the same in Scotland. So it's such a significant gap in the industry. And most people won't actually be diagnosed by a psychiatrist. Most people will just be seen by their GP, who, again, is not a specialist in this field. Um, so this was really to plug the gap to make sure that people got treated and diagnosed in the correct way and that they could move on faster with the right type of therapeutic plan going forward. Um, it also helped us in this situation of COVID-19 because that was a technology already being utilised for some years within the charity and can still kind of continue on to fill that gap. Um, it's been interesting, a lot of our, so we did 5,500 mental health cases last year and a lot of the face-to-face -face therapy um, we've started to turn into Skype-based therapy as a result it doesn't work for every single case, but that's been a real transition for us, um, which has been quite helpful. That's brilliant. And, and just um, in terms of the long lead times with the NHS, how quickly would someone get onto that Skype call using that new technology with the EIC uh, if, for example, that attempted to take their life? I'm just interested to see the comparison between the two. At the moment, we're about 48 hours. Wow. Um, one thing that, I wanted to try and dig into, and I guess it's we're, we're in a largely male dominated industry and there's a lot of stigma attached to the word mental health. Um, whereas uh, I'm really happy to say over the last 12, 24, 36 months um, is we're starting to tackle it head on. What um, feedback do you have in terms of helping people think about uh, the word mental health the same way that we think about our own personal health we go to the gym to stay healthy um, how does the EIC communicate uh, that uh, one here's how you could potentially identify you have mental health issues and how to get rid of that stigma around the word mental health how do you guys think about that so if we use one key example we all have physical health and we all have mental health it is just 
your general overall sense of well-being. There is nothing wrong. You can have good mental health, you can have poor mental health, but at the end of the day, every single person has mental health, just like we do physical health. And that has been our message to the industry. When we're talking about mental health, everyone always sees it in a negative light, but it can be positive. It's how we reposition that question to the industry. And that has been one of the challenges of why we spent so much time investing in mental health training for the industry to challenge that stigma. And if someone's listening to this right now, what, um, what indicators might be the best word to use? What indicators might they uh, be experiencing that might make them go, I probably do need to speak to someone, to be honest. Um, what are the things that you might say, actually, if, if you're experiencing these things right now, use the email address support at electricalcharity.org to reach out and just have a chat with someone. What are the things that someone can self-identify with right now? So uh, the most common thing that we hear across the sector is someone experiencing poor sleeping patterns, not sleeping, uh, can't turn off their brain, just constantly thinking, you know, I've got to do this invoice, I've got to price up this job, this has got to happen. I'm constantly in this cycle of never getting any time to myself and I'm feeling completely overwhelmed by it. But you don't know and then you have moments of maybe you cry uncontrollably and can't stop it. Uh, maybe you have that time where you just aren't looking after yourself whatsoever, so you've got poor personal hygiene. Um, other signs would be, I guess, feeling disengaged and less interested in things that perhaps you really enjoyed before, but nothing gives you fulfilment. Um, grinding your teeth at night time. Oh, wow. Just like waking up, feeling that your jaw is kind of about to go into locked jaw position. Um, I guess there's so many elements that you could identify, maybe being a little bit more aggressive than you normally would be in a situation, yelling unnecessarily, just not being able to deal with things that you would normally be able to deal with or maybe completely disengaging from people. I think one of the things that the one of the barriers that I'd like to break down is when someone listens to this, I think there's a, a fear that uh, someone reaches out and they get put into a specific bracket uh, and are treated um, treated in a way that makes them feel uncomfortable. Um, I'd like to go go down that route in terms of when someone reaches out to the EIC and says, listen, I'm not entirely sure why I'm reaching out. I just don't feel like I'm myself right now. And I get the impression that um, that just might be a big enough indicator to use that email address and get in touch. Uh, what would the process be for someone that takes the takes the positive action today after listening to this podcast and says, I could do with a bit of help. Uh, what does the EIC do once you receive that email? So we would have a caseworker call you and we would kind of go through, well, what's been happening, what are some of the things that are going on in your life at the moment, maybe work through what are the everyday stresses and then what's something a little bit deeper. What I often find with people is just the conversation that you start to have. It's like, I don't know, peeling an onion. Like each layer, every time you have a conversation with someone, you find out a little bit more and the pieces of the puzzle come together to see 
where someone might be sitting in terms of their mental health. And we've had lots of people that have reached out in the industry and said, I never thought I would do this, but it was the best thing I ever did. You know, and maybe they only needed six or seven sessions, but that has changed their life and their outlook on things. And if we're prepared to go to the doctors when we have a broken arm, why are we not prepared to see someone for support when we're not feeling our best? I absolutely love that uh, advice uh, and that analogy at the end is uh, we have to put the same level of care and attention that we do with our physical health uh, alongside our mental health. Um, guys, so if you are listening to this podcast right now, I've probably said it two or three times. And the reason I've done it is on purpose. If any of this uh, that myself and Tessa are speaking about uh, resonates with you, uh, please take that positive step. Um, there's an email address there. And I think one thing that comes across from when I heard Tessa speak in 2018 through to today is um, what I tend to find is an organization follows their leader. And from speaking with Tessa, extremely uh, deep level of empathy and support that goes into all the work that the AIC do. So that email address is support at electricalcharity.org. Uh, if anything you've heard today resonates with you, please use that email. Um, Tessa, before we uh, wrap up today's conversation, is there anything else you'd like to leave the listeners with? I would just like to say, look, coping at home now in isolation, remember, take breaks, particularly take breaks away from the constant news cycle. You know, make sure you define how many hours a day you're going to actually watch the news because it can be quite a negative uh, thing in people's lives. Make time, make time to unwind as well. You know, really enjoy that family time. I know we spoke before on our uh, live about you uh, making a cinema in your living room. With yeah, you. so I've got I've got two young boys, and we're trying. Obviously, it's 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 hard enough uh, for myself, and my wife, given the current situation. But we have to try and keep uh, the boys entertained and keep them as close to normal as possible. So uh, going to the cinema and bits like that were regular things for us as a family. So we just went through the energy and effort of making our moving our living room around, making it feel a little bit different, putting a little piece of paper uh, on the living room door saying, welcome to the cinema, getting popcorn in, um, just to try and keep the family together and keep those activities moving forward, uh, keep spirits high. Yeah, definitely a, a big one for us. It sort of kept the kids happy. We, I do a thing with all of my friends. We have a Friday night dinner and uh, we're all on Zoom together and have a glass of wine and dinner together on a Friday night. That's our kind of social connection. I think also when you're working from home as well in this environment, sometimes your, your days and your weekends can merge into each other. So it's really important that you set goals and priorities. So make sure that... You know, I'm not going to turn on my computer before 8am in the morning or, you know, whenever you want to start your day and I'm going to turn it off at this time and same with my phone if you don't have to be on call. Um, make sure you're taking care of your body as well, healthy mind, healthy body. Such a huge part of mental health is looking at what you eat. If you're not getting the right nutrients into your body, it has a big impact to how you feel in terms of your balance. Make sure you're staying connected with people and focus on some of the facts rather than all of this perpetual negative news that may not always be true. Um, 
if you're not getting the sleep, think about meditation apps, that type of stuff that you can use, download, meditate for even five minutes in your room before going to sleep and when you're waking up in the morning. They're all things that will help with sleep personal um story from myself is um calm great meditation app i'm probably not one to plug different apps but calm has been one that i've uh, really enjoyed uh, and i guess from the um making a day-to-day tasks uh, one thing that i shared on the live stream which I'd, I'd like to just um explain here is a good friend of mine spoke to me about uh, a, a sort of a, a tool which is your circle of concern uh, and your circle of influence and he says we spend we care about a lot of things. And if everything that you cared about was put into your circle of concern, that lives over here in this circle. And let's draw another circle and call that your circle of influence. And they're the things that you can yourself uh, actually influence, make make an action uh, to create an outcome. And most people will spend a lot of time thinking about what they care about and what they can actually influence. But the key area right now, more than ever, um, is to bring those two circles together and where they overlap in the middle is where you should be spending all of your time. Uh, so the things that you care about and the things that you can influence. There's a big risk that we spend a lot of time, energy and emotion right now uh, purely on stuff that we care about um, because there's so many things happening in the world, we can get distracted. Uh, so I'd say just focus on the stuff that you care about and you can influence. And just to touch on the point, Tessa, about what you said about headlines, um, probably the most positive thing I've done right now is really condense down um, the news that I get. Um, <laughs> and uh, to be honest, the, the truth is uh, my my wife's uh, stepmom uh, every day sends me a, a WhatsApp message with the, the bullet point, the factual bullet points of what's happened in the world uh, because it was just pulling me left and right emotionally in terms of all the headlines. Headlines are made to, to get clicks. Um, and the, the truth is, is um, scaremongering i don't want to put it out there um but a a headline that is fearful will often get more attention um so choosing what information you consume and how often i think is absolutely top advice um tessa you dropped some absolute gems there in terms of some things that people can think about um i just want to say a huge thank you uh for your time today one uh in the facebook group and if someone is listening to this right now and you're an electrical contractor, uh, please head over to Facebook, uh, search groups, The Electrician Group, powered by Schneider Electric. And do not forget to hit subscribe on this podcast. Uh, that's the easiest way to stay up to date uh, with The Electrician Podcast, powered by Schneider. Uh, and you'll get notified from all future shows. Before we wrap up, Tessa, is there any final word from yourself? Just that as your industry's charity, we're here to help you. So reach out. There is no question too small or too big that we can't help with. And the way to do that, guys, one last time is email support at electricalcharity.org. Stay well, stay safe, and we will speak to you all soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you are enjoying this show, please leave a review. Hit subscribe and stay tuned for more episodes.